There's never a good reason for a 3.30 a.m. phone call. I was half asleep and half panicked while I fumbled around the nightstand in search of my phone. Hands shaking, I looked at the screen. No name, just a phone number ending in 1913. An unknown person was calling my phone at 3.30 a.m. No. I breathed as I answered. Jacob Adamson. No. I mean, yes, but no. Don't tell me. I'm calling from the Los Angeles Police Department. No. I was hyperventilating. I knew I didn't have the strength to hear what he was leading toward, but I was powerless to hang up the phone. I'm afraid I have some bad news about an accident. No! I shouted. No, you just... You don't tell me that. Just don't say anything. Just stop talking. My heart thudded in my chest. Udy Adamson is your son. Udy's my boy. I whispered. Please take this back. Please. His car lost control on PCH. No, 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 no. You take it back. You take it all back. I'm so sorry, Mr. Adamson. Udy died at the scene. Stop. I whispered. Movies cut scenes immediately after bad news has been dropped because the ensuing agony would be too much to watch. Five minutes of thinking about my dead son was a mental marathon. I fell to the floor, gasping, as I struggled to pull my socks on, only to give up and sob. I needed a break from the moment, just ten seconds where I could forget about my dead son, just enough to catch my breath. But the pain was unrelenting. I knew that my mind couldn't endure it without cracking. I needed a break. I needed to breathe. But it didn't stop. The biggest trees pop and crack before they fall. I felt that happen inside my head. The cables that had once bound a stable world together snapped apart, turning and turning in the widening gyre. Everything spun out into nothing. What did I have left to look forward to? Life tells us that our children are the greatest accomplishment we can ever have. And now my boy was cooling to room temperature in a meat sack. You don't need to look at the body, the coroner said. The lights droned overhead in the sterile white room. The coroner glowed unnaturally. I have to see him, I breathed. I think you will regret this choice, I counted. I went in any way to look at what was left of my son. I regret that choice, I said on my way out. A few days later, I found myself wandering the streets of my town. I stumbled into an empty parking lot and contemplated life. A few moments later, I noticed a strange-looking man appear. He continued to walk closer in my direction. What the fuck do you want, I asked. The man stood next to me. What makes you think I want something from you? I'm standing by myself in a barren parking lot, and you found some reason to do the same. People never behave oddly for the benefit of others. He smiled, and I finally looked at him. His trench coat was such a dark brown that I couldn't tell if it was dirty or clean. He was old, pushing 90, and looking like he'd been through hell. His sky-blue eyes stood out against skin that hung like rotting peach flesh. Did your son love you? My head spun as my stomach flipped. Speaking with such a dry mouth took several attempts. If I still believed the world had any value in it, I would have punched your fucking face in for asking that. He laughed without any hesitation. Then he touched my shoulder, and I wasn't in the parking lot anymore. In fact, I wasn't anywhere. I didn't recognize the disheveled living room, where a haggard-looking man was shouting at two children, clearly unaware of my phantom presence. Danny, don't fucking touch Kevin. Then there was darkness. A man and a woman appeared next, but I still had no body. She was crying as he watched her in disgust. It doesn't have to be this way, Jasmine. If you're strong enough to put down that godforsaken bottle and apologize, we can move forward. The ball's in your court. She sobbed harder as he turned around and left. Then I was me again, just another person moving as fast as possible toward death. Hell is real, and it's on Earth, the Salaman explained. 
It's a curse that can only be granted by other people. The word should have chilled me, but I felt nothing. If what you're saying is true, then we're all the devil and we're all damned. I turned away from him. He rested a hand on my shoulder. You're right. So let me get this straight, I pressed. You think you can bring Yudi back? There is no think, the sallow man answered. Just a choice. But I have to send two people to hell? I continued. To Earth. Yes, you understand me. I didn't like his smile. I gave you two visions that should not have been physically possible to witness. But you still doubt that the supernatural is natural. You are not among those who have not seen and yet have believed. I turned away. Then Yudi appeared before me, naked, trembling, and deeply afraid. He's real, Jacob. All people who ever lived are real. But you can only bring him back by choosing to send two others into hell. Their lives will become excruciatingly painful. Yet they won't be able to let go and move on. Would you make two strangers indefinitely suffer the pain that you find unendurable? I stared at Yudi. He seemed afraid of me. Yes, I whispered. Let them suffer. I had no recollection of going home. We were simply standing in the living room, Yudi fully clothed, still staring at me in abject terror. I hugged him. It was like hugging an empty box. I pulled back and saw that he was crying. I brought you back from the accident. I whispered. My son looked up at me with bloodshot eyes. It wasn't an accident. It was on purpose, he responded. No, I gurgled. You had every reason to live. He punched the living room window in an explosion of glass and blood. You had every reason for me to live. Everything you ever said to me was designed to tear me down. His eyes and fist dripped freely. I, I only ever wanted what was best for you. I stammered. You only wanted what was best for you, he shot back. I shook my head slowly. No, it was, if I was ever harsh, it was only to bring out the best in you. He laughed, and the sound chilled my spine. You could never bring out the best in me, Dad, because it was impossible to succeed by your standards. I looked at myself through your eyes, and I hated the person I saw. I sank to the floor. Yudi, I wanted to cry. But that part of my soul didn't work. Yudi, being without you was... Hell is a real place, because that's where you left me. He stared back with bloodshot eyes. You'll have a lifetime to get used to it. He turned for the door. Don't follow me. Please stay where I put you. Hell is real, I said as the sallow man appeared next to me on the sidewalk. He smiled. This pain is worse than the first time I lost my son. I'm empty of everything. He didn't say a word. And the two others? I asked. The man and woman I saw. They're going through hell too? The sallow man clenched his fist. People bring hell, but they also bring redemption. Hell is a billion separate places designed to make people suffer alone. I nodded. I want to die, but the infinitesimal hope of beauty returning keeps me alive in the most agonizing way. We stood in silence. I'd slit your throat. But that would just make things worse, wouldn't it? He expelled three heavy coughs. But Yudi, I asked, my voice low and careful. He lives? The sallow man eyed me close and nodded once. I let out a long, tense breath. Then it is enough. Thanks for listening. If you enjoy these stories, 
Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and check out some more of my episodes here.